Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Very excited to welcome in Chargers star running back Austin Eckler, who joins the show now in game week. We have finally made it. So, Austin, I know we're excited, but what's the feeling for you now, man, going into year seven of your NFL career, walking into week one? Yeah, um, you know, as as a guy going into year seven, it reminds me back when I was a, a rookie and I was looking at other guys going into year seven. I'm like, man, these guys have been doing this for so long. And, uh, you know, once once you get to this position and you've been playing for this long, really things start to slow down for you mentally. And now I can understand the game like coaches really like my coach, Derek Foster, and I really see the game in a similar way as he's trying to coach you. I've been right being coached on it for the past seven years. So uh, as far as production, I think it, it helps me. Um, just understanding now it's like can my body keep going which haven't slowed down yet so I'm looking for another big year man I I wonder Austin going back to when you were a rookie you didn't come from a power five you weren't drafted I mean so there's a lot of those guys that look at you going into your seventh year now and say okay he did that I can I know I can do that it gives us it gives us all hope what what when was the point for you rookie year whenever where you thought, okay, even though I wasn't from a big school, or I wasn't drafted, I can play in this league. Wow. Um, it was tough for me because I was sixth string on the depth chart the entire training camp my rookie year. I did, I did not move up the depth chart one time. And so 
you can imagine, yeah, like, hey, I'm trying to make the team. Like, I'm stressed out of my mind because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not seeing any progress, you know, because I'm not moving up the depth chart or anything like that. I was being consistent. I put in so much work to make sure that I knew what I was doing on the field because I wasn't getting a lot of reps. I get like maybe two or three reps on offense, you know, a practice. But most of my reps came on scout team special teams. And so that is where I was able to actually get some type of opportunity to show that I can play and run. Uh, but it wasn't really until the last preseason game when I pretty much kind of solidified my role by playing well on special teams and on offense when I was like, you know what, like, I feel like I did well for what I had. What advice do you give young guys if and when they come and ask you for how you've been able to make it, how you were able to latch on? What do you tell them, whether it's undrafted or otherwise? Yeah, um, great question. So for me, I, I treated it like my life depended on this opportunity. And that's what I tell these young guys coming. I say, dive into this like everything in your future depends on you making this team. Like you're not going to get a lot of reps. So you got to make sure that you know every single play. So when you do get a rep, you're ready. And then when you get that rep, now you can start to build your reputation. So you need to overstudy. You need to go talk to the coaches. You need to be talking to the special teams coach, talking to the running back coach, getting extra time, making sure that you're overdoing the studying part so that you know exactly what to expect, what to come on the field. Because as a rookie, you're, you're thinking. There's a lot of thinking going on and you need to try to slow the game down for yourself mentally. And so if you can apply yourself um, in that way and treat it like this is everything and when it's full time and it's full go, you give it everything you got, like your hair's on fire and, you know, like they're trying to take something off your dinner plate. If you don't, then guess what? It's going to bring you into a new level. And for me, it was I was tapping into my survival instincts like this is it. Um, and so that's what I tell them. I tell them I hope I can spark some fire in their ass, because if, if I can't, then it's probably not for them. Boy, that is so true. I, I, I remember telling young guys, if you're getting two reps, try and do something in practice where now you're getting four reps or you're getting five reps, you know, and, and yeah. show, show that coach that you deserve more reps. You know, so seventh year for you, I got into the league in 85 and finished in the mid-90s. And the game changed even in, in those 10 years of preparation, workouts, nutrition. For you, from when you got in the league to now, what have been some of the changes, even in how you prepare for a year from when you first got in the league to now and how it's changed? Yeah, um, something personally that's like a little bit more, you know, in my story, like my first two years, I used to crank some um, rock heavy metal music in my ears before practice and stuff. And this is when I was mainly special teams, so I don't need to know as much. Just go to run and hit, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I've, now I'm on offense a little bit more and it's like, OK, I actually have to calm myself down. Right. And so I need to make sure I can lock in and I can actually think and like see the coverages and the plays and understand what's happening. So that's that's been something that's changed internally for me. Um, um, but also just, you know, as as you get older as a player, you know, you, you take care of your body a little bit more. And, you know, Coach Staley has done a great job with with our team. You know, we have an older an older offense right now, a bunch of guys that are, you know, year four and past. Um, and so Coach has done a great job of making sure that, hey, we're, we're staggering out guys. Some guys, some guys are getting vet days, um, like, you know, people that have been around eight, nine years. And so I think just preparation of, of how much and how how much toll you put on your body is what I've really seen change over the years. And now, you know, we wear these guardian caps to protect our heads. So really a lot of the things that have changed have been around health and safety, which is, is a good thing for us. Do you get a vet day? Have you gotten a vet day? Nah, I haven't oh, learned a vet day wow. yet. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to get on Staley well, about that, man. Here, That's some bullshit. Here's stuff. the thing. Here, here's the thing about being a running back. You know, there's there's four of us on the active roster, but there's only one on the field at a time. So your reps are already limited, so you don't need yeah. a vet day. You'll be good, you know. <laughs> Listen, first off, I have to ask. You mentioned the music. So what's the song now? What do you listen to to get you in that calm, zen mind state yeah. if you're not blurring heavy metal now? 
So now I, I'm no more music before the games. Um, I am just straight self-talk. I get up and I visualize and I kind of pace back and forth. And I, I'm watching myself catch a, a swing pass from Herbert, right? I'm watching myself go through. And so I'm going through this and I have my helmet on. I'm fully strapped up um, and just pacing. It's like right before, like 10 minutes before, I'll just be pacing. Uh, I was even doing it in uh, preseason games, man, because that's just like my routine. Like I wasn't even playing a preseason game, but I'm walking back and forth and I'm, it's just, in that locker room, in that phase, I'm like, this is go time, you know. Uh, so that's what I do now. So you didn't think it was strange then when you saw Kirk Cousins in another preseason game wearing his helmet with no pads on the sideline then. that looked, You're like, all right, I kind of get what he's going for here. Exactly. Look, like, even though we're not playing, we're still a part of this team. We're still a part of this brotherhood. And so w we feel the energy of game day regardless if we're playing or not. And so I definitely get where Kirk Cousins was coming from. So you, you mentioned Justin Herbert. He signs one of those quarterback deals. Uh, they get a, a ton of money. Has he taken all you guys out for dinner yet and picked up the tab? Uh, not not yet. Not yet. Those are coming, though. We do it during, uh, during season. Usually on Fridays is when we go out um, and get together. So it's coming. Has the money changed him at all? I feel like no one on the outside really gets to know Justin. He's presented to us as a guy who's really you know not a big talker, not really about himself. Has the money changed him around you guys at all yet? I mean, he was still a first round pick, so it's not like he didn't have money, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, now he's just got a lot more and, you know, the checks haven't started flowing yet. So we'll see. I'm hoping he doesn't, though. Or if he does, I hope it's for the better. I, I hesitate always to say this. When I got drafted in 1985 in the 10th round, back when there were 12 rounds, my my rookie year salary was $62,500. So it's the, wow. the league has come a long way uh, since <laughs> hey. then. Well, it's taking people like yourself to help pave the way, man. So, uh, you know, much appreciated. Oh, oh listen, yes. it was, uh, and guys before me as well, no doubt there's been a whole lot there. Um, yep. You know, we, we've talked a lot about the, the running back stuff this offseason, but I, before we get into some of that, I want to take a different angle of it. You know, they always talk about running backs and their age, and you're 28, but playing at the best you've ever played. But over the last two years, you've had, I think, 587 touches right in that area. And while we all want to be on the field playing all the time, is there a concern of running backs or a view to say, man, that many touches, while I know it look it's good and I'm doing well with it, can wear you down sooner than you want to be? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of um... – you know, teams are looking for looking for, you know, two people to be able to play that position at a high level, not just have one person that you're going to rely on, because we know this game is, is violent. And especially when you have the ball in your hands and you're not protected like a quarterback, you're going to be taking a lot of hits that, you know, could potentially injure you. So the more you take, obviously, the more you're, you know, up for up for uh the odds you are to get injured. Um, and so, yeah, if you have like, we have Joshua Kelly right now is, is our number two guy. And so it's like, look, we feel comfortable, both of us on the field making plays and we honestly need each other so that we can make it the entire distance. Uh, it's something that I had back when I had Melvin Gordon and we were splitting carries, um, you know, for two years there. And now, you know, it's going to be the same thing with Joshua Kelly. And it's not anything against me, you know, as a competitor, we want to be on the field, but also I have to not be, you know, too buried into my ego and pride and be like, oh, I need to take every single rep and every single snap. Like, that's not what's going to help win in the end of the season, which is when it really matters. Um, so, no, I'm about it. I'm about having, you know, multiple people at the running back position that can continue to play. And I also hope it, I think it helps with, with that conversation of, of the contracts, you know, because if, if you got guys that are continuously making it through the season, you know, that in that scenario, that person, you know, hey, this person's been shown that they're durable, um, you know, and that's something that that 
plays a part into contract negotiations, as we've seen. Um, so, no, I think it's a great thing. You mentioned that there, and listen, we've all got an ego. That's why we get to where we are, and you went to bat for not only yourself, but a lot of running backs. You were part of a lot of that conversation. Was that your biggest takeaway, or what was your biggest takeaway from what you went through, what you saw running backs across the league go through this offseason, and is it affecting the way you approach this season at all? Yeah, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway, there's a, there's a few takeaways. It's not necessarily the biggest, but there's a few. One being that just as, as a player in general, we really don't like when we're restricted from getting to the open market, you know, based off of artificial numbers that may or may not be your market value. Um, I think we've, we've realized that, that we don't like that, uh, which is probably understandable um, if you know, yeah. you're, pro- <laughs> you're producing like, nope, you can't go anywhere. Actually, you're going to take all the risk on a one-year deal and we're going to tell you what we're going to pay you and you don't get any say in it. It's like, mm, we don't like that. And then another thing I've realized is that the running back position, there's been a narrative around there. Um, and the narrative is really, in a summary, I think, trying to compare our outliers, the guys that have really been playing at the top, and comparing them to the rest of the generalized running back narrative. And basically, that's hindering our pay. Well, it's like, not that you're an elite player, it's you play running back. And so they're using that against us, um, not necessarily what our efficiency is on the field. And so that's another thing I'm taking away. And so for us, it's continue to, you know, as running backs, it's continue to play, continue to make an impact. Um, and guess what? Like, that's all we can do as players. And then when it comes to, you know, CBA negotiations, things like that, we got to put things on the table. Hey, maybe this is something we want to fight for. Maybe it's not. And then, um, you know, as running backs, you know, we got to continue to play at a high level to continue to show, hey, we deserve to get paid. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to continue to take us making it through full seasons and playing at a high level. And and part of the shame of that is a CBA for the length that goes, still goes a whole lot of years, is is amongst your running backs or with your representatives or agents, is there any talk of can there be a separate thing done in the CBA for running backs? I mean, there have been so many things discussed, but we don't know what's actually feasible to try and do. Yeah, and look, it's it seems like the running backs right now, and you know, I'm a running back, so people ask me about it, but this doesn't just happen to the running backs. It happened to the safeties. It happened to the tight ends. It even happened to the long snappers at one point. It wasn't necessarily franchise tag, but just they were yeah. getting – they were getting shorted as far as contracts. And so it's like these things pop up here and there um, and they, they seem like little blurbs. And then whoever position group is affecting, it's like, oh, let's ask them all these questions. So I think it's a bigger issue of just, you know, how our CBA is. And it's this is what it takes. It takes our, us as players to recognize this and decide if this is worth fighting for and you know put it on the table when it comes to negotiations for the for the next time. You talked about production being at the heart of that, so let's look at you know what's coming up this season for you. Kellen Moore comes over as your guys' offensive coordinator. You've dealt with coaching changes before, but what has Kellen Moore brought to this Chargers team so far in your guys' interaction this offseason? Yeah, man, uh, it's been it's been so exciting watching our practices, um, and not just because of Kellen, but because of kind of the, the players that we have around. Man, it's it's been awesome. Like we have Herbert now. Obviously, he's coming into his fourth year. Uh, Mike Keenan and I are playing coming into our seventh year playing together. You know, third I think third or fourth year with um, with Corey. Um, you know, Rashawn's coming into his third year now. And so like Trey Pipkins, we've been playing with for five years. And so, you know, Gerald for three years. It's like 
man, like we are so connected on offense. And now you bring in Kellen, who's who's obviously had success with Dallas last year, and he's bringing his offense in here. So we got people making plays all over the place. You know, we're throwing the ball around, you know, get checked out. All of it from top down, from deep balls to, you know, the, the, the dink and dunk game to now, you know, our emphasis is, you know, in the run game is be better than 30th last year, which, you know, is something that I'm a part of and directly affects me as well. And so, like, as far as what we're trying to attack, it's like it's just more efficiency. Like we have the tools, but now we have to make the tools come alive and actually put it on the field and put it together. And so it's it's like I said, it's been so much fun because that's what this camp's been about. It's been, hey, let's go out there and make plays, and we're gonna put pressure on you as an organization to do that. Literally, it's in my it's in my uh, uh, incentives to not to be better than thirtieth. Like I have like, hey, get this many yards, but then also be better than 30th. And so like I feel it and I like that. I'm like, yeah, put some pressure on me. Like we'll take it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as a competitor, that's what you're looking for. You want people to put pressure on you to try you because, um, you know, if they're if they're testing you, that's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking to prove them wrong or prove yourself right. So uh, I'm excited, man. So listen, team goals are the most important thing. You want to win the division. You want to make the playoffs. You want to win a Super Bowl. That That's always the team goals every year. But last year, you rushed for the most yards you ever rushed for. You caught the most balls you ever caught in a year. Do you have individual or personal goals that you strive for each year? Yeah, but it's, it's never a benchmark. It's more of a philosophy. Um, and the philosophy that I live by is continue to be consistent in the role that you currently have. And in that, you will be able to gain and then increase your role. So right now, it's like, okay, look, I got to be this efficient ball catcher. I got to be efficient running the ball and then really efficient in the run game. Like, that's where I have to start again this year. That's, I have to build off of what I've done last year. And so this has kind of been my philosophy every single year, starting back before when I was a special teams player. Let's be effective in the role that I had as special teams. And then I started getting more offensive reps. And then I became the starter eventually. And now it's like, I'm the starter. Now it's, okay, let's continue to be consistent. But now how can we be more efficient? You know, so now it's been, oh, in the red zone. Now I'm scoring a lot of touchdowns. So now it's coming back to, okay, Austin, we got to get this run game going. All right. Absolutely. I got to be consistent with what I did last year, but now the run game's got to be much more efficient. And obviously it's not just me, but I have to do my part in the whole ecosystem of, of the offense. And so that's my goal for this year is to be consistent within this role, um, basically do what I did last year. But now let's let's see where we can continue to add um, onto that. And I know it's, it's already in the run game. So that's, that's where it's got to come from for me. You mentioned the whole organization kind of feeling that and that the offense wanting to do that. But I think for everyone, Brandon Staley, your head coach, been one of the most talked about head coaches in football the last couple of years, came in and was hyper aggressive in situations, got talked about last year for maybe some different decision making in some of those moments. What have you seen from your head coach now as he's now getting further into his tenure with you guys? as the head coach of the Chargers. Yeah, I think he's been learning um, as well. Um, you know, his first year, yeah, we were going for it like crazy. Last year, not so much, not so much. So I think he learned <laughs> a little bit there. And then, uh, you know, we'll obviously... Is that something, ahead. by the way, for you guys too? Because people always ask this question on the outside. When he's going for it like that, is that something you guys are drilling a lot in practice? Is that something you're aware of each and every week? Like, hey, this is going to be our philosophy? Or is that just game day situations dictating the flow for you guys? Well, I, I guess this is kind of how it's set. Like, we know that he tends to be aggressive, so we're not surprised when we do go for it. It's not like we know every time we're going to go for it. Uh, but in certain situations, like if we're on the fringe between punting, you know, and field goal, we're probably we're probably going for it. If we're in the 50-yard line now, nah, we're probably going for it. Like, if we're in the middle of the field, I'm not surprised if we're going for it at all. Or even down in the red zone if it's early in the game. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely – tapered back from that first year to last year. And then, you know, we'll see how it plays out this year. 
We're all looking forward to it, man. Everyone should also be looking forward to, I know year seven, we talked about for you as a pro football player, as a professional talker and a podcaster, you got year three of Eckler's Edge with you and Matt Harmon at Yahoo Sports. What's that? I mean, you've been one of the guys kind of at the forefront of this athlete-led media. You're really active on Twitch. Uh, so going into year three as a podcaster now officially, how's that felt for you? Especially fantasy football, since most guys used to always balk at the idea of playing fantasy or caring about fantasy. So here, here's my thing with fantasy, man, that blows my mind, and I'm, tr- I'm trying my best, but the fantasy football is a multi-billion dollar industry that is, that is played off of our game, right, the NFL, and we get zero kickback from that. <laughs> zero. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's got to be a way for us to legally, without right, jeopardizing the, the fundamentals of the game and the integrity of the league, for us to get something from this. And so that's, I've been trying to dive into the community more. And that's why I do my podcast with Yahoo talk about it. Cause I'm like, okay, let's use this as an opportunity to, to make endorsement, but there's gotta be a way that doesn't always include like you have to be a podcaster or something like that. So I'm working on something right now. Um, we'll see, we'll see if we can get something in the works, but, um, that's why I do all this, um, this media stuff is because I'm trying to find short-term, you know, fixes to tap into this value of fantasy, of the sports uh, betting space, of of just the Chargers, just the NFL, all of it in general. Um, and so it's an opportunity for me to continue to leave my legacy. And you know, something I kind of live by when it comes to making an impact is people will your legacy will be whatever your fans remember you for. And so. For me, yeah, if I only played football, then they only remember me remember me as a football player. And that's fine if that's what I want. But I'm like, I want to continue to make an impact, not only for myself, but for my community. And so that's why I'm like, hey, here's me in outside of football. Let's talk fantasy. Let's talk mindset. Let's talk, you know, building businesses. Let's talk this type of stuff so that I can continue to build myself when my career's done and have something to build on then. Well, that's all well and good. Deep down, do you want to be the pick over Christian McCaffrey and everybody's fantasy team, be the number one running back pick? Look, I'm just going to say, you know, I've been extremely consistent, you know, over the past two years. Look, I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm just saying, here's where I am. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a touchdown score machine. There's going to be more of that coming this year. And when I get the ball in my hands, I'm pretty efficient and I catch a lot of passes. So if you're in a PPR league, I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to pass up, you know, and for the past, what? Two years, I think two years ago, I was RB2 behind Jonathan Taylor. Last year was RB1. And so if we keep that trajectory going, then I mean, yeah, you know, sky's the limit at this point. Listen, if you're within earshot of this show here and you don't take Austin Eckler as your first pick and your first running back, you're making a huge mistake. We're all on board with this. Austin, thanks so much, man. Best of luck this weekend all season long. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thanks, boys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. We just heard from Austin Eckler, who has a really good mindset about the running back situation. Also, we might have to talk to him about partnering on the fantasy side, as long as we can still, you know, pay out our players those very big prizes. So, guys, Eckler's season outlook, everything. How'd you feel about what he said? He's a really good interview. He's a great guy to talk to. He's a pro talker. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, we've seen more and more players go down that road, too. So it, it's not surprising, but he's definitely been one of the guys at the helm of that. Dad, I thought it was interesting the word he brought up describing what the Chargers offense wants to be, because I don't know if it's necessarily the word that most people think of this year with Kellen Moore and the hopes in mind. He said efficient. Explosive is the word that I think most people looking at the Chargers offense the last couple of years under Lombardi would say that's what was missing, the downfield passing game, making use of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and now Quentin Johnston. But he went with efficient, which was a little surprising to me. Me too, because we keep waiting for this offense, right? We we keep waiting just to Herbert for throwing for all the yards he's thrown for and touchdowns he's thrown for, adding to the wide receiver arsenal, having Austin Eckler in the backfield, who, oh, by the way, had just under 1,000 yards rushing and 107 reception. So I think the expectation, and I get what he's talking about, efficient, but explosive, I think, needs to be a calling card for that Los Angeles Chargers offense as well. Uh, I know they needed to work on the defense some, but this is a scoring league now. Uh, so they, they they seem to have the weapons to do it and to get it in chunks. Efficiency is great, but, man, to have that big playability, that really can put a defense on its heels. Uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. But, uh, you know, he mentioned, and he's right, that core of that offense, and I think the reason there's always so much optimism is because that core has been together a long time. They have a ton of really good players like Austin Eckler in that core of players. It's just going to be the same question over and over again in perpetuity for the Chargers. Will they stay healthy long enough yeah. to be good? And uh, we will wait to see that as we near opening night in the NFL coming up on Thursday. Again, we'll be live for the Gojo and Golik kickoff in Kansas City, fueled by Campbell's Chunky ahead of the Lions and the Chiefs game there. We will get to take a look at more of the AFC West in the lead up to that too. Dad, let, let's circle back and put a bow though on college football. So much of the rest of this week is going to be about the start of the NFL season, week one there and rightly so. But this college football week one, in, in earnest the beginning of the sport, started off with an absolute bang between Florida State going out and stomping LSU in the biggest matchup of the weekend, Colorado upsetting TCU, Duke beating Clemson last night, and a host of other things over the weekend. Dad, the Pac-12 became the first conference in the last 40 years to go 13-0 and on opening weekend of the sport in their last year of existence. So I want to know from you, looking at this weekend, Dad, what feels the most sustainable to you? What is a blip on the radar versus what do you actually think is indicative of what we're going to see the rest of this season in college football? One thing I say is not sustainable is the Oregon Duck doing 546 push-ups every Man, week. Man, my dog. Like he had to do. Again, he does push-ups after every score, and they scored 81 points. So going up the ladder as you get to 81, 546 push-ups, that's not sustainable. Or he's going to have to start a cycle of something that's illegal for the players to do if he's going to be able to do that. As far as sustainable. That's probably already on test. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think, Mike, what we talked about early on is amazing. It still blows my mind that the Pac-12 is going to go away. There's just two teams left, Oregon State and Washington State, and I think they're going to end up in the Mountain West. Is the fact that it is the most competitive and maybe and t- maybe top-heavy uh, from number of teams conference in the country. They had five preseason uh, teams in the preseason rankings from number six USC down to number 18 Oregon State and Washington, Oregon, and Utah in between. And as you mentioned, they all won week one, which is 12, and then USC won in week zero. So they're 13-0, and 0, you know, as, as a conference and what they've done. Have not lost yet. Throw Colorado in there. Again, I'm not saying to win the conference, but to all of a sudden, are they going to be a player in what was thought to maybe be a walkover for some teams this year? Now going to be one hell of a game with Colorado with them possibly upsetting some of these teams. So there's not another conference with that depth of preseason rankings the way they are and where these teams are all winning so far. So, and, and this conference is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. But USC is putting up numbers with Caleb Williams. Washington put up numbers with Penix Jr., Michael Penix Jr., a quarterback. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Utah, with their tough defense, they're living up. But we always wait for them to, to – to, chew each other up, right? They end up knocking yeah. each other out of contention. So we'll wait to see that again. But there's a number of them right now, and we keep getting to the last few weeks of the season, and they keep you know, eating their own. Well, <laughs> I, I think and, that's the big worry yeah. again now as you look at the month of November slate, and the cool part for football fans is all those teams are going to play. The bad yeah. part for the Pac-12 is all those teams are going to play. Like deep down in places you don't want to talk about at parties, I'm sure George Klievkov, who said leaving the big meetings of college football playoff folks, that we want to have one of our teams win the national championship, that'd be a lot easier if they weren't all so good and all playing each other. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So I'm with you. That depth seems very real. A big shout out, by the way, you mentioned Oregon State, the lowest ranked of the Pac-12 teams going in. Maybe not for long, man. DJU has to feel very vindicated. Not only, and listen, I'm sure he's got plenty of friends on that Clemson team last night, but again, maybe in secret, might have felt a little validated as he went out this weekend and threw for three touchdowns, ran for two more, and helped Oregon State beat San Jose State in their first game of the season, and then watched his Clemson team that he was a part of last year and got blamed for a lot of what went on there, some of which was on his shoulder, some of which wasn't. Now gets to go and see that in the rearview mirror. Got to feel pretty good for him this morning. Um Dan, I think the stuff a lot of people are going to look at, right, and probably overreact to. We're going to spend a lot of time on Clemson and LSU because right. Clemsoning was a thing for so long under Dabo Swinney, and you saw that word coming back in last night because Brian Kelly, who I saw per ESPN Stats and Info, has now the third most losses by 20 or more points as the head coach of an AP Top 5 team. He was five, has five of those in just 37 games. The only coaches with more are Joe Paterno and Woody Hayes, who each coach over 100 games with a team ranked in the top five. So the big game problem that we know was lumped on Notre Dame for a long time and still exists there has followed Brian Kelly to LSU. But, Dad, I think for both of those teams, for Clemson and for LSU, LSU especially, you played – a really good team in Florida State to start the season. You played it in a really tough environment. And so I think that's still going to be a team that is a very good and competitive team in this year's SEC that has a lot of new in it, but might fall short of what I think now is the standard there in LSU 
coming off an SEC championship appearance in year one for Brian Kelly, Dad, is it feels like national championship or bust in Louisiana right now for this team. And I don't think at this point, based on what we saw and based on what we know about this team from last year, I don't think it's a national championship team just yet. No, I agree. And that was a thought process, right? Even after they lost this exact game last year, closer, uh, the blocked extra point, they lost just by one point, but they did end up going to the SEC championship game against Georgia. They did beat Alabama. So it went some good ways for them. And that's something that Brian Kelly can hang on, on himself and hang on the coaches and hang on the players. Look, we were in this position last year yep. and we reached the, the championship game. So that's something they have. But I, it doesn't seem like they're as good. But again, it's week one. It's week one, so we have to let it play out a little bit longer. Yep, we do. And, and I think it's worth remembering in that game, that was a one-score game with 11 yeah. minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. It spent the lion's share of that game before the floodgates came off at the end. Dad, for Clemson and Dabo, also a little bit more existential. That one, though, too, I think you look the way they lost that game. Multiple fumbles inside the 10, multiple block kicks. I just don't think that's stuff that you can count on overall. I still think Clemson is going to be a big tough out in the ACC, but this does feel like a trend of the decline of this team in terms of the personnel at key positions like quarterback and wide receiver that for so long have been the calling card. They want to try and be a rushing team under Garrett Riley. That's just never who Clemson's been. The offensive line has never been the strength of the program. While you've got Will Shipley and Maffa in that backfield who are probably two of your best offensive weapons I don't know if they're built to live that way just yet this is going to require a lot of growth from Cade Klubnick at quarterback over the season and Garrett Riley getting more comfortable which I'm still willing to bet on I'm not willing to write Clemson off if you ask me I would probably probably want to do over on my pick for them to make it over FSU to the playoff but we'll have to wait for that another day and instead get ready to bring on the beef to this show let's get a hall of famer in next on Gojo and Golan Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Gojo and Golick here on DraftKings Network. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield. Hoping to talk to the Hall of Famer Walter Jones in just a couple of moments here on behalf of a really important initiative that he's involved with with the NFL that we certainly want to highlight. But, Dad, we had so many big moments happen in college football this week. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't get updated on the ones that are a little more personal to all yeah. of us around here on the show. For me, you, and Brandon, Notre Dame currently sits at 2-0. and They're getting ready for their first real test coming mm-hmm. up this weekend against NC State on the road in Raleigh. That'll be a great one there. 
uh, you know, Sam Hartman, Brennan Armstrong, guys familiar with each other after a lot of ACC battles. But Notre Dame takes care of business against Tennessee State at home, first FCS team to ever visit. First time Notre Dame's played in HBCU, seeing Eddie George there. All really cool things. But uh, we got to do a check-in, a wellness check on our buddy uh, out there in Boston. Proud Boston College alum, or maybe not so proud this morning, uh, Jesse Cofield. Jesse, how we feeling, bud, after uh, – Whatever the hell happened against NIU this weekend, you guys cut a million-dollar check and you know you're only supposed to do one and not the other, right? Yeah, a couple of three and nine teams from last year having a real barn burner. I mean, look, it was embarrassing. What are we doing with our quarterback situation? Like every, it's it felt like every five minutes we were subbing in between Moorhead and Castellano, so they got to figure out what's going on there. I will say. The offensive line looks pretty competent. Like, rarely were there those quarterback errors due to pressure on the QB. It was just our quarterbacks not being able to do much. So, yeah, and I say quarterbacks because who's going to who's gonna play quarterback? I don't know at this point. But, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Pretty embarrassing that we paid for the pleasure of uh, losing that game. But, I mean, God, I'm trying to – like, when I was at BC, it still wasn't – the gold. I remember the year after I graduated, we played USC in a night game and we won. And it was like the biggest thing that had happened at BC in years. So yeah, it's gone are the days of Doug Flutie. You know, we had Luke Keekley for a while. That was fun. But now, I don't know, guys. It's kind of just wow, embarrassing. Li- li- man. Living in the past, aren't we, Jesse? Huh? It's, all, it's all I have. It's all I wow. have. Yeah, it's, uh, it's know, tough the, to the, see. The, they should make you now. Listen, we we we're not completely clean in this last year, didn't we? Didn't we give a check to Marshall uh, to come into Notre Dame and and beat us as well? Listen, man, only a fool trips over what's behind them, so I have wiped that from my memory. <laughs> okay, they should make you know. What would be cool would would be after like that loss if like BCU had to present the check to NIU right after the game. Oh God! Oh, here you whooped us and. Here's a million dollar check as well. Like we present oh, to you. One of the big checks. Yeah. yeah one of the Give big me one checks. of the big ones. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It oh, was that's bad. Forget relegation and all the rest of those ideas. As far as doable, feasible opportunities in college football, that is one we absolutely need to do. If your team loses, you have to present the big cardboard check on the field after the game to the money <laughs> team that's coming into your stadium upon this rock. We will run for commissioner of college football going forward. Daddy, I mean, it is an exciting time for Notre Dame if you look at what's already changed around their odds. We talked about with so many of the upsets this weekend. In the Heisman Trophy race, Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, had already started with the best odds. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, was second in the Heisman odds going into this season. Now, that has changed drastically. I think he's dropped down uh, somewhere well well below that, tied for 17th. Let me pull the numbers up. Yeah, so Jaden Daniels started the season second in the Heisman odds. He's now tied for 15th at this point here. Cade Klubnik also we can expect to drop. He was up at uh, tied for sixth best odds with J.J. McCarthy. Uh, and is now worse than Keon Coleman at plus 6,000. We've seen Sam Hartman jump up to, I believe, tied for fourth-best Heisman odds here. And for Notre Dame, this is going to be their first big test. 
on the road against an NC State defense that's sure of itself under Dave Doran and against a quarterback in Brennan Armstrong who's reuniting with the coordinator and Robert Anai who he was with during his best season at Virginia. And I feel like this is where the veteran status of Sam Hartman's going to come into play as well as anything, Dad, is being able to, one, communicate to this team, hey, I know these guys, I know what they're about, and I know what they can do to us, and holding that stand for, standard through this week of practice. Yeah, you can talk about, listen, Sam Hartman has been great. Six touchdowns, no interceptions, completing over 82% of his passes. And I know you're just talking about the teams you played, and it's Navy and Tennessee State, but that defense has not given up a touchdown. Notre Dame has been, uh, in the past, guilty of playing down to the level of their opponent. They've blown out both teams they should blow out, and they haven't given up a touchdown. So I'll go from the defensive side there. Yeah, no, the defense has a lot to write home about. I think I saw the first time they've held two teams to start a season without a touchdown since the 70s or so. Yeah. So going to be very interested to see how that goes. But, uh, Dad, why don't we go from uh, college to pro here and get ready to talk to one of the best to ever do it, a guy I always enjoyed watching growing up, Walter Jones, the 2014 Hall of Famer, former Seahawks great here with us today and here with us on behalf of a really great cause in 96 check. Uh, Walter, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Can you tell us about 96 check? Because reading about this and what you and the NFL are promoting here is incredible. Oh uh, yes. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's something that I just wanted to uh, remember our uh, Cortez Kennedy, uh, a player that I played with uh, at Seattle, uh, kind of mentored me, kind of showed me how to be a professional outside the game of football. So when he passed away here, probably what six or eight years ago, uh, for me personally, I think you always try to find things that that can uh, you can keep his memory up. And when I went to the funeral, when I met family and friends, you know, the one thing they said about Cortez was he always would check in on you. You know, I thought it was just me sometime. And, you know, when you hear from, you know, not just players, but you hear from family and friends. So I wanted to do something to, uh, to remember him. And I just realized that that's what he used to do for me, a check up on me. So I just wanted to let player, former players, a lot of times we get so caught up in our busy life that sometimes we forget those people and stuff like that. So on 9-6 was jersey number. That's where I got the 96 check. So at, every year I try to ask everybody to check in on loved one, you know, former players, everybody, just to check in. A lot of times that can help anybody out there that's in need. And so now with the 96 check and with the NFL, what we do now is just want to check on those guys. I always tell those guys, if I can't help you, I know somebody else, somebody that can help you or I have a connection or somebody have a connection. So you just want to reach out to those people and make sure you haven't forgot them and you know we all from different walks of life but still again well uh, we we be together so much as a football team and as players and sometimes once we leave the game we forget about those players so on 9-6 September the 6th I just put out you know a media blast and just let everybody know to check in on those people uh, just a phone call can change somebody uh change their mind or their thoughts it, it, but that is a great, great thought, Walter, because, you know, fans just watch us play on Sundays and think, you know, they're kind of we're robot players, you know, not human beings. And we have to remember that's exactly what we are with uh, with, you know, the, the mental side of it as well. So that that's a great initiative that you have going on as far as your old team. The only team you played for started every game. You were there 180 of them uh, with Seattle. What what are your thoughts on them going forward? A little surprise last year with Geno Smith and the season he had. So expectations can be pretty high now. Oh, definitely high. You know, I think last year was one of those years where you thought that that was going to be like a, a rebuild year. Uh, but Geno had been there for so long. He understand. I think a lot about Geno and the quarterback play. He plays just like the coach want him to play. You know, put the ball where it needs to be. Don't put the ball in danger. 
and then let the defense win the game. And I think last year they kind of showed that, and then they showed that by how they um, support Geno by signing him to a big deal to let him know that he's a quarterback. And I think in, we're bringing Bobby back. You know, you put a, a veteran guy. I'm a big fan of uh, having veteran guys there to help those younger guys come along and can't help those guys to understand the standard uh, what it takes to to win in this league. So from that standpoint, and a lot of the draft picks, you know, offense, I think it's going to be great. Uh, we got a great running back in Kenneth Walker that have definitely got the job done. So I'm looking forward to some great things to happen this year. I know that the division is not as tough as it used to be, but I think still, again, I think Seattle is probably the team to beat in this division this year. It's just a matter if they can put it on the field and do just as good as they did last year. Got a couple of young tackles that they hope can turn out as well one day as Walter Jones did for them so many years ago. Well, unfortunately, time restriction-wise, uh, we got to let you go here. But again, 96 check. Everyone, make sure that you check this out. Check in on your people. Do right by that. Again, 9-6 uh, in honor of Walter's late teammate. Walt, we appreciate everything so much. Thank you. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again longer soon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. And, Dad, you know this, and he's absolutely right. Unfortunately, both of us have lost teammates, and a lot yep. of them far too soon. And that little bit of reaching out can go such a long way for guys. Huge. Uh, so, and, again, big thank you to Walter Jones on that and appreciate him joining us. Coming up next, let's celebrate one of my former teammates in a big life moment yesterday next year on Gojo and Golan. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are so excited about this week because Gojo and Golik will be live from Kansas City on Thursday from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Fueled by Campbell's Chunky Soup for our hurry up house party. Tune in live, like I said, 47 p.m. Eastern, right before the game. Now, fellas, that is going to be a lot of fun, and we love Campbell's Chunky Soup. We do. We do. We love the Chunky around here on this oh, particular yes. program, especially. Uh, but we also love the bright lights, and we're going to get to some star-studded names as we finish off the show with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Check us out live on DraftKings YouTube and DraftKingsNetwork.com, as well as Samsung TV+. And before we get to the bright lights, something that might help with those, our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. They've been here since day one. They have helped us build this thing, so support them the way they have supported us. 
Get the best high-quality polarized sunglasses in the business at a price that's not going to break your bank. We're getting ready for the home stretch of Major League Baseball season. They got the first nine teams of their MLB collection in there. These things are durable. They are fun. They're going to make your game day outfit look phenomenal. So head to knockaround.com. Get great-looking shades that start at just 28 bucks, and use code GOLIC at checkout to get yourself free shipping on that order. Dad, let's get to this, that, the third, and those bright lights that we mentioned. Inter-Miami, which has been the story of MLS since the acquisition of Lionel Messi, made its way to LAFC, and so Miami and Los Angeles get together, oh. and good God almighty, the guest list is swole. And you look at who was coming out for this one, Dad. Unbelievable names that made the trip out to see Messi, as everyone's been looking at the hottest ticket in sports. You have got Mookie Betts, Connie Britton, Leonardo DiCaprio, James Holland, Tom, uh, James Harden, Tom Holland, Will Ferrell, Liam Gallagher, Selena Gomez, LeBron James, Clayton Kershaw, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Nas, Ed Norton, Glenn Powell, Rage Against the Machine. Dad, at this point, if you were in Los Angeles and not at that game, I can't imagine how embarrassing this is for, oh God, I'm describing myself. <laughs> Jason Sudeikis was there as well. Owen Wilson was there. Caleb Williams was there, the quarterback for USC. Cool you to see USC players being stars again yeah. around Los Angeles. That's when Completely you know the agree. program's back. Completely agree. And you know a celebrity list is incredible for a game when they have to – usually it's by stardom. You know who's at the top of the list? There were so many stars, they just went alphabetical order. I mean, that's how many people showed up. They had to go alphabetical order on this thing. Absolutely incredible. That's what Messi has done. I mean, Messi's just coming into, into our, our country, scoring goals all over the place, helping Miami win their games, and now everybody's following it. I mean, it is, it is making the MLS really, really cool. Also, yeah, if you look at the list of notable attendees, something that kind of cracked me up was Prince Harry and Meghan Markle don't have like an, any type of an occupation next to their name. Like, there's occupations next to everyone's names, and they were just like, goes without saying. You know what it says? It should say, we're royals. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah. Former. It's like, it's like the Bachelor and Bachelorette where you've got to make up these weird lower thirds to try and <laughs> you know, give a nice euphemism for the weird job that they do or don't have at that particular point. By the way, very excited for the Golden Bachelor coming up soon. Oh, apropos, wow. apropos of nothing, I cannot wait to see all these grown folks out here playing a kid's game. It is going to be fantastic stuff. Dad, I feel like Golden Bachelor might be up your alley here. Get to your age range. You uh, you looking forward to seventy year olds making out on camera, Mike? Is that what you're looking forward Hell to? Oh yeah, brother. Looking, for, looking, oh. forward to the, looking forward to the fantasy suites. We're gonna need oh. some new hips after this, baby. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to know what the fantasy suite's gonna have to have in it to help out. <laughs> probably a probably a lot of Tylenol, maybe like a guardrail or something. Yeah, I don't that know what I was thinking. Also true. Not bad, but could be. I don't think yeah. those are I don't think those are greenies in that bowl. Might be a different no, color. No. <laughs> uh Merce, let's get us from one emergency to another and get to oh. that. This, uh, we are steadily oh. and quickly becoming the poop show here. <laughs> and so we feel uh, the need to inform you of this crappy situation. A Delta flight was forced into an emergency landing by a passenger's violent diarrhea. This flight from Atlanta to Barcelona had to turn around and make that landing after the passenger, quote, had diarrhea all the way through the plane. Two hours into a transatlantic flight from Georgia to Spain, the, file, the pilot said, quote, this is a biohazard inner, uh, issue. Dad, is it a point of pride or the greatest shame of your life 
if you have a bowel movement so fierce, you are deemed a biohazard. You are a chemical <clears throat> weapon now. You know, we, we, we talked about this when we, we played the one podcast where the dude had to run out of the chair because, you know, we think he, he pooped himself. He had an Irish and, breakdown. Yeah, and, and, and he said he had leg cramps. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, this, I don't think you want to, you know, you don't have a choice but to own it. No, I don't think this is a feather in your cap. When you read diarrhea all throughout the plane, I mean, what the hell happened? Did this person try and run to the bathroom and it just was coming out all the way down? I mean, I, I can't imagine. Question. I can't imagine the plane because if he made it, he or she made it to the bathroom, there's no issue. I mean, my God, I'm just trying to paint the picture well, of what went on on that plane. What really horrified me was reading that, you know, they had to bring the plane back to Atlanta. They had to make an emergency landing. The passengers were transferred to another plane. They went off on their way. And then the plane, the diarrhea biohazard plane, was thoroughly cleaned and then put back out on the roster. So, like, next time you get on a plane... You just don't know. You don't know what you're sitting in because I'm sorry, thoroughly cleaning it, like I'm short of ripping out this the carpeting and stuff. Yes. But could you could you imagine? Because we all seen it when we go off the plane, the cleaning people are getting ready to come on the plane. Oh man. And they're and they're, they're getting ready to pull up some wrappers or napkins or, or things like that. They had to go on that. I would go on there and go, hell no. Uh-uh. Not happen to turn around and you go, go get a biohazard team to go in and take care of this one. I mean, those people, hazard pay, there's oh. not enough of it in the world here. They needed, I was expecting those full-blown hazmat suits walking into that experience. The thing I want to know is, and I, I'm hesitant to ask this, but at Gojo and Golik on Twitter, if you see something, say something. Because I'm surprised in the year of our Lord 2023, not a picture or a video has come from this flight experience so far. And you'd imagine someone had to be rolling on this on that plane because we've all had to go to the bathroom on yes. the plane. Hell, we've all been sick on the plane before. I don't know what set of circumstances for an adult. The identity hasn't really released, so maybe it was a baby. I don't know. Maybe some baby, and we hope the baby is okay <laughs> if that was the case. But somebody, identity remaining nameless, had one of the more explosive experiences on a plane that we've ever seen involving a bowel movement. So I I'm just... I I'm curious well if someone documented this i, I think saying. what would happen if people if you heard all over the plane you got to wonder if somebody was maybe trying to roll on the camera but it was right by them and they were rolling going oh you know you start to get your own gag reflex kicking in if all of a sudden you see diarrhea all over the plane i, I can't even fathom this well the fact that we don't have video evidence leads me to believe that it was either a child or an elderly person like that there's a reason that people on the internet have not or people have not put this on the internet yet because it would be this is you know, not in nice. Poor taste. Yes, in poor taste to do so. So let's oh. finish off in better taste then here. Yes. And yes. wish happy trails and a welcome to the dark side to our good friend and former NFL tight end now Kyle Rudolph, who announced his retirement yesterday. The two-time Pro Bowl tight end is going to go back week three to be honored by the Minnesota Vikings, where he will retire as a member of that team. Also spent time with the Giants and the Bucks. Caught Tom Brady's last touchdown pass in the NFL, Dad, and has been a guy that, since we know him, met day one as 17- and 18-year-olds. Yeah. Knew this is what he was destined for. Always said he wanted to be a guy that played darn near 15 years in the NFL, and he got incredibly close to that. An unbelievable career, an almost universal Walt Payton Man of the Year nominee during his time with the Vikings. 
Vikings, all-around great dude, pumped for him. Yeah, hell of a career. 482 receptions, over 4,700 yards, 50 touchdowns. Uh, most of that career in Minnesota has made, made an impact off the field in Minnesota at the Children's Hospital as well. And he and his, his wife, Jordan, have, have really gone out, you know, public and, and helped out a lot of people. And that's really a cool thing. Well, all your friends, too, well, they have four kids. All your friends have so many kids. I ran into Braxton Cave and Trevor Robinson, Tyler Eifert, Zach Martin at the football game. Everybody's got kids. I'm used to seeing all you guys as like 18-year-old freshmen with these young faces. And now you all have a bunch of kids walking around. But congrats to Kyle on a hell of a career. And a new member of the media now as well here. Looking forward to seeing Rudy behind the mic. Looking forward to you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.